Hello, everyone. Hope. What? You want to get out of this room? Okay, just a sec. <laughs> okay, try again. Hello, everyone. Uh, this week we have a special guest editor who is helping me finish up this podcast, and that is my three-year-old. I Penny. I hear when mommy. I'm helping her with the podcast. This week we have the founder of Skydrop, a startup that is tackling on-demand delivery in Latin America. All right. Hope you enjoy. This is Dynamo Discussions. Hi, everybody. I'm Tavo Sombrano, co-founder of Skydrop and also CEO. This is not your first startup. Okay. So why don't we start there? Because you actually have a pretty interesting path as to how you founded Skydrop. Yeah, correct. Um, I just want to mention out there, I was a rock star prior to being a founder <laughs> of a startup. What was your band called? It was called Carousel. What does that mean? Uh, Carousel? Carousel, yeah. 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 So, so before yeah. your even first business, you were a rock star. Yeah, I was a, a rock pop star. star uh, <laughs> it sounds like a more Mexican to us, a Mexican pop star. Yeah. And you founded this great business. Yeah. What was it? What did it do? Okay. How'd you exit? Yeah, in 2010, uh, well, let's, let's talk about it. Like Mexico is still like three years behind in, in the technology. Uh, during the last year, I think it's like getting closer. But in that time, like ordering food was still done by phone. And uh, in the United States, already order online food existed. Still, it was not like when I when I thought about the idea, it, I didn't know it existed. Uh, after I thought it, I looked it in Google. Boom, a hundred thousand companies already doing this. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the good things is like in Mexico, there was only just one big competitor, mm-hmm. and and the page was really, you could say like it was 2010, and it seemed it was 2001. So. One of my first thoughts is I could do it better and uh, I can get more users in, which was pretty bullshit because my page was even worse at the beginning than these guys and uh, we couldn't get people in because he was like so strong in Mexico already. Why did you think you could do better when you like your backgrounds in being a a famous musician? So why did you think (laughs) you could do it? Yeah, so like when I was 15 years old, I started like uh, uh, developing or programming. Okay. Uh, That was the time when IRC came to life, Mirk. I don't know if you guys remember. And I just hacked Mirk and I built a script for that. And I I always loved technology. Mm, Uh, But I I didn't study it because I thought like people in technology wouldn't make money. Oh. (laughs) So, yeah. Bummer. Yeah, usually musicians <laughs> make money and, yeah. and engineers don't. Or yeah, a, correct. Or yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got a good grasp of it. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> okay, so anyway, sorry to interrupt. Keep going. You just, your, your page sucked worse than your competitor yeah. when you first started. Yeah, and uh, so, so we just started like, what, yeah, we didn't know how to design. I've never built a page. Like my competitor's page looked like Craigslist mm-hmm. looked like one year ago still. Yeah. So it like you would like your first idea is like I can beat it, but you cannot beat it. Something that even that it's already working, mm-hmm. and uh, since like it's step one, step two, step three, and then you're trying to change all these steps into just two steps. It kind of like for your user, it's just like it's different, mm-hmm. so it's worse. 
Yeah. Wow. So yeah. I couldn't steal their users because they're already accustomed to what they were right. doing. So I needed to go for the new users. And that's something that took me a while to understand it. Uh, but we finally achieved it when we built our iPhone app. And maybe today, like iPhone app, everyone has iPhone apps. But yeah. like back in 2011, this was like even huge in the United States. It was 10 times huger for, for Mexico. So we launched that app and it was like the second app in in all Latin America to order food online. And that was like a real wow. differentiator. That's where uh, we just placed a lot of restaurants in. We made it look super pretty, a lot of images, which is something like even today in ordering online platforms, you won't find images. Mm -hmm. We focused a lot on images and uh, Apple saw it. I don't know anybody in Apple and they just placed our app in the, there, wow. there was just a front front store there was not like categories or nothing right. at all yeah. just just at the front store like for six months in that point and then well not even thousands oh. of downloads a day because there were not thousands of people in the app yeah. store at that time <laughs> yeah. so we were like hundreds of, of downloads per day and then it just started incrementing during the whole three years of the company from it mm -hmm. we were always like on the first spot in a food and beverages category. That's awesome. Do you think you just found, like, it was just the right place, right time kind of situation? Definitely. Definitely, yeah. Uh, and how long did it take you to build the app? And, like, what was, how long was that process from the starting We didn't take, like, more than five months. Like, we, okay. like, at that moment, that was, like, super fast. We did it. Uh, remember the first day when we were in the App Store? Like, the server fault each day, like, the fall of first month, we were losing a lot of users. So what we did is we, we immediately changed the app and we placed like the Facebook connect button to the first, to the first uh, mm -hmm. screen mm -hmm. so that even if it would crash, we already have your email and we will target you because we couldn't fix it. There was like, it was so much for us really? at that moment. And because our directory was like 3,000 restaurants, we, were, we didn't do it correctly. It yeah. was that our infrastructure was not done right. Talk about how you attracted talent around you then and what has that taught you in assembling the SkyDrop team today? Yeah, so that's a, a super good question because it was super difficult. And even we, I could tell you, we did not attract that good talent on my first company. And, and the reason in Mexico is really simple. Like the best developers in Mexico are stolen away like in a half of a second by American companies. Once they graduate, they are already working in Apple and Microsoft. And the ones that do stay are people who actually in Mexico, um, if like if you're a developer, I think 90% of them come from uh, economic, uh, good economics. Mm -hmm. So they will basically tell you, I will start that company instead of building it for you. Sure. So that was one of the first things. Like I couldn't found, find a co-founder in Mexico, mm -hmm. so I had to go to India to find one of my co-founders. And this is for your first company. And this is for my first company. Gotcha. And uh, I used to play StarCraft a lot. <laughs> and I used to like hang out with these guys from India. And, Online? Yeah, a lot. And, yeah. Uh, like a lot. I played StarCraft like... Terran, Zerg, or Protoss? <laughs> yeah, what was Protoss. Your... Okay, yeah, me too. I was super too. Protoss. But then I, I started moving to Terran. But yeah, Protoss was my... Because it, it, it made it a little more challenging. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, me too. You Sorry. should try it. <laughs> so, so I knew this guy. He hooked me up with a friend. And he ended up being like my co-founder now the technical, technical co-founder. And with him, I, I built a great team uh, on the technical side and really on, on, on all the business side, we were just, we just hired a 
like people, uh, kids or students who were in college. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Basically, like that was like uh, my sister and me were the directors, mm -hmm. and then like 28 people from that's crazy <laughs> from uh, how, how big was your team? We were 30 at the when we were the biggest. We were 30. 30. So uh, how did you exit there, and and how did you discover? Yeah, the sky drop problem. Yeah, correct. So, so around 2000, yeah, in the beginning of 2014, uh, we we were accelerated by 500 startups, mm -hmm. and uh, we raised almost $100,000 in that in that uh, round, and we started like moving super quickly from there. And one of the key things that made us won the market was that we were. We did a do-it-yourself like platform for restaurants. So you click the button, and automatically we created a web page for you that people could order online from it. And by the end, almost like you, with one click, could also create your iPhone app and your Android app. When doing that for a restaurant was like super expensive, and you could also have your Facebook page like or people ordering through it. So basically, we had like 3,000 restaurants at that moment. And our 600 best restaurants, I think like almost like 70% of them, we controlled their website, their iPhone, their Android, wow. their Facebook, like all their online presence. So when competition got to Latin America, they were like trying to steal our way, our customers, because everyone knows that if you get into their website, your conversions go up and you don't have to pay for that users. Yep. But the restaurants were like, well, we already have a... A taste space and it works or if it wasn't working they were like it doesn't work and we still have it there so no need for you and uh, they basically came to us and said like hey guys we prefer just to buy you at this point of time we're just gonna go crazy and we have like I, at that time they had raised like 80 million dollars mm -hmm. so it was just uh, a money war at that point so mm -hmm. we decided to to sell yeah. and so you sold you've made you know, some, a nice bounty. How did, you know, how did you discover Skydrop? Yeah. Why the hell did you decide to <laughs> go round yeah. two on another startup? Yeah. And more with the restaurant industry. Like yeah. there were, there were two things I said when I sold my, my companies, like last time I do a marketplace, last time I work with restaurants and look <laughs> where we are. <laughs> look where we are. <laughs> so, uh, basically what, like we were losing a lot of users, uh, in taste space, Uh, we were churning them because the food did not arrive on time. Mm -hmm. And we were doing like a lot of things from our side, like through all our publicity and ads, we were saying a lot, we just connect you with the restaurants so that people know that we don't do the delivery. But once like you get this bad habit of restaurants, like why is my order late? And they blamed us for mm -hmm. no reason. They just didn't want to get the blame. Also, if you order from one side and it arrives late, well, basically it's your fault. Mm -hmm. So uh, we tried to talk with restaurants, how we fix this. And, and we noticed like uh, delivering on demand is like way broken. It costs a lot for restaurants. If you have less than 60 orders a week, you're basically losing money out of every order. You still keep doing it. Why? Because like 30% of your income or of your profit will come from from home delivery service. So we was, it's a big problem. There's like no good solution. You're just keep, you're just doing it because your clients want it. Mm -hmm. So I said like, there should be a, a way to fix it. And that's how Skydrop uh, uh, began. Our, our, main, our main point was like, we, we knew how to connect restaurants with uh, users who wanted their food. 
now let's connect restaurants with the with the independent delivery boys who want to do their their deliveries and uh, that's what we started to so do. you don't work with the customer of the food no of the cu- just the restaurants and then the yeah delivery uh, yeah because that that's the, that's the problem we were trying to fix like on that side right and uh, yeah so talk about that it's unique in the fact that you're not necessarily a consumer facing brand you are actually sell and serve to the businesses so kind of talk about that like how you make money there. yeah correct so so one like for me like not going to consumers also was uh, part of my contract I signed with when when I sold the mm-hmm. company so that was like one of the things that stopped me but but also like if you went for the businesses the business at this point of time, you like uh, got a lot of demand so that you can try to really solve the problem that you're going out to solve uh, for these clients who are willing to pay you uh, money for for solving that problem. Um, I don't know if I got lost in the question. So, uh, so uh, if if I'm correct, the the interesting thing about SkyDrop is that as a retailer or restaurateur on your platform. I can buy credits and use up the credits. Correct. I'm not necessarily paying as I go, which is interesting. Why did you choose that? Okay. Is that because your customers actually told you that's how they want to transact with you? Yeah, correct. Well, so that's kind of like a hack, the reality. <laughs> because the one thing about the deliveries is that once you do one delivery wrong, like your client really gets mad. Because the whole purpose of you delivering is to deliver, like, to deliver like <laughs> excellent, right? Right, right? But like, if like if you figure out the business, like there will always be an error. There will always be flat tires. It will always rain. Mm-hmm. But, like food will spill. There's a lot of things that you cannot control. Right. Now, if you get those credits up front, now like there's already a margin to fail. Mm-hmm. So it's not like the fourth order you failed and I don't want to use any more your service. Basically, they're stuck with us for like 150 orders. Right. So once the 150 orders pass and you realize that only 2% of your orders were delivered above 60 minutes, now you get like a good idea like these guys know what they're, they're doing. Good. Yeah, they're actually good. So that's the reason because you only have to pay for the first 150 grades up front. Mm-hmm. After that, you can just go uh, hmm. pay as you go. And do you, how do you, first of all, how do you get your drivers and how do you manage those drivers? Okay. Yeah. So basically one of the biggest uh, culture differences between the United States and Mexico is, is the type of driver we're going to, right? Uh, here, the, the common Uber driver, DoorDash driver is a guy who's in university, has his own car mm-hmm. and uh, wants to win money to pay for something, right? So in Mexico, it's not that kind of culture. Basically, we are the, the drivers we are attracting because university kids in Mexico don't work. Their their university is being paid by their fathers, and so if it's being paid by your fathers, you only you gotta study and study because yeah, yeah. that's why they're paying for it. So, like we're really going for the delivery boys and for or for the drivers, how you say here in the United yeah. States. So the one thing about the drivers in Mexico we understood is like they don't want to win more money than what they're winning right now. They just want to win the same amount of money in less time. That's all they want to do. Like 80% of them, they don't want more money. So once we understood like, okay, this guy wins $100 per week, 
in uh, 60 hours, let's give that in 40 hours. And uh, we started making our whole model to work exactly that way. That's interesting. Uh, how many orders have you done to date? Uh, we've reached the 100,000 deliveries done. That's huge. What do you think, is that an advantage for you, the, the fact that you could do these 100,000 orders and not necessarily spend more money because your delivery drivers are quite happy, happy with 100? Yeah, so, yeah, but it, it comes to the same thing, like uh, in the United States, basically if a driver wants, like if we were just doing restaurants as we used to, like almost six months ago, uh, the drivers would not be happy because they would have to stay for lunch and dinner. And I was, as I was mm-hmm. telling Caitlin, like lunch in Mexico, it's like at one, two, yeah. and then dinner, it's like at nine thirty, ten PM. Yeah. So it's like a ten-hour shift. So now <laughs> it's like, like we need to find them something to do in between. So, mm-hmm. so we get almost to the same problem that Uber, DoorDash, and everyone has. Like you need to fill in those gaps, and we weren't thinking much. Much about that to like big companies starting uh, contacting us and saying like, hey guys, I know you guys do on-demand delivery. Our warehouses are in the city. Can you start delivering for us? And uh, this huge opportunity for our drivers. So we started doing same-day delivery as as you call it here in the United States. So that that's when it got super attractive for drivers because now in six hours a day, working six in Mexico, you work six days. Uh, so that's 36 hours. You're you're winning what you used to. In 60 sure. hours, so that's awesome. So they work like a steady schedule, like yeah, yeah. Most right. deliveries okay. like they it's are, not like Uber where you kind of just sign yeah. on to the app whenever you want. Yeah, it's they have a schedule. No, 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 no. We don't put we don't place the schedule for oh, them. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, got you. So it, you know, it's it's not been easy for you. You've you've kind of had uh, issues where you're trying to make sure that you get your business model right in your first city. Uh, getting your unit economics to a point where it makes sense to expand, hiring the right people. Through all of that, what is the biggest lesson learned at Skydrop? One of the greatest things about like selling your first company is that people want to work with you. <laughs> so one of the things I, I really focused on Skydrop when we started is like building an awesome team. So we brought in like super technical founders, we also brought in like people who've worked in UBS, neither people who have MBAs, who really Skydrop cannot pay what they really want to win, but they're here because I think we're 20 people right now. From those 20 people that we are in the team, 19 want to be entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. So they're basically in Skydrop because they want to learn how to build a business, and mm-hmm. in four years they will start building their business. Sure. And. Uh, in, when I was in Cementoja, I, I didn't understand that people had like a goal. I thought like people are going to follow your goal. But it's when you understand that like basically people who are working for you, they have their own goals and how you, you help them achieve them and get to them, uh, people like really start caring about where they are. Sure. That's so, very true. Yeah. So that's like... That's a great insight. Yeah. So that, that culture, we're like trying to do it a lot in Skydrop and... Uh, and yeah, and, and it's been working. That's one of the best things I've learned so far. Um, a couple more here. All right, bring it. What I, so, so you've gone to this point. You've, you've built out in, in a city. How do you keep yourself focused? Because one thing about your personality is that you try to do a lot at the same time. So how have you come, you know, 
kind of countered that because the biggest thing about being a founder is to stay focused because that means your business stays focused. So how do you grapple with that? Because it's something a lot of founders have to deal with. Yes. So I, yes. And I know like I, I I don't know how you say like, I wonder a lot during the day. Like (laughs) it's like my mind is my worst enemy sometimes. And uh, also I like, I don't like sitting down. So one of the things that I've learned about myself is like, and, and what I've been doing with the company, this is we establish goals for no more than 12 weeks. And uh, we, we place them on the top level really, really clearly. Uh, for example, right now, there's like two, only two goals that I'm following. And every Monday, I do like a huge stat day that like I'm sure like many CEOs would have like this automatically done. Uh, well, if I had it automatically done, then it would take me more time to analyze what really happened, like if I manually did it. So instead of having some robot do it, I just go grab all the stats and start making my 14-sheet Excel uh, statistics of mm-hmm. each things that I want to know. And I, and I start like thinking, like, I'm, are all these like, focused on the two goals that, that we're doing, which are failing, which are not? And with that, I just focus on the team that's responsible for that metric and, hey, guy, you need to push up in this because if not, we're not going to do this. So basically, like, the two things I do is just uh, goals for, for 12 weeks, no more, and every Monday check all the statistics of all the teams and, and start, like, you have to do this, you have to do this. Well, sure. I'm not telling them what to do, like, why happened this? Why is this mm-hmm. happening? Sure. We have, a, like, a, one, of, one of the, like, the best things about our culture it's like when you join, first of all, like our culture is like super startup. There's like four guys living in our office. We, <laughs> like we have beds for them and everything. They sleep there. They live there. They eat there. Mm-hmm. And uh, like we're like a big, big family. And, and how we build this is when you enter Skydrop, like every company tells you like you have one month of test. And when, when you enter to Skydrop, you already pass the filter of the three founders. And we tell you, you already passed the filters. We already want you in. Mm-hmm. The next two weeks, you can only rest one day out of the two weeks. Mm-hmm. And you have to work from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. And you got your lunch hours. And if you, after those two weeks, like work your ass off and decide that this is what you want to do, mm-hmm. you can stay. And if not, you can go and we can pay you the whole month. Wow. And, uh, That's interesting. People like... There's already like six people who have cracked during the first yeah. two weeks. Really? And, and yeah, and, th- and that's the culture we are because we're a company that works from Monday to Sunday, yep. from 9 a.m. to 11.30 p.m. It's always open. There will always be something to do. People need food and, and packages. Yeah, and packages. So, so once like those two weeks have been a lot helpful to understand. And also our, our team inside is like, it's kind of a hierarchy. Like there's no hierarchy that's flat. So everybody knows, like, there's one director of each area, but the truth is, like, all the three people in the area are so good, mm-hmm. like, you want to be the one on top always. So it's, like, really aggressive. They will even fire you in the first two weeks if they don't like you. 
So, Dang. yeah, it's like a super lion. It's like, I like the culture. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> people would get scared like the third day and they would go. And the ones that stay, like, they realize like, okay, this is really cool. Yeah, but I feel like, all, like just by getting through the first two weeks, it yeah. like bonds, it makes you yeah. like, yeah. commit it that yeah. much more. And you have to deliver and everything. Right. So the first day, it's oh, like, cool. you deliver the whole day. Oh, my oh, God. So because like sucks. being in, in the seat of the driver, <laughs> being the seat in the driver is like, now you understand the whole thing. That's sure. a good idea. It builds empathy. Yeah. So that's how it starts. Well, thanks a lot for your time, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Flipped it on us. <laughs> All right. That's it for this week's episode. Taking us out is Tavo from his good old days as a rock star. This week was brought to you by GE Ventures. If you want to learn more about Skydrop, go to skydrop.co. Want to learn more about Dynamo, go to hellodynamo.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at This Is Dynamo. All right, have a good week. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter.